you need to watch, you, need, you need to pay more attention to the movies when you watch them. Where where else do they meet? That's where they meet. I'm saying you yeah, need to pay attention more. <laughs> but it's super brief, is it not? It's, it's one of the opening scenes. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan, and this is David. And today, I finally watched Jackie Brown. I know I watched this before. Like, I have a distinct memory of watching this before. I might have even watched it twice before. And for the life of me going into it this time, I could not remember what this fucking movie was about. It's about Jackie Brown. I know. I know. And I and, and the, I, I remember... Um, Chris Tucker, and I remember Samuel Jackson. I like I remember all the characters, but I was trying to like in the first like fifteen twenty minutes of the movie, I was thinking like what happens in this movie, and then I watched the movie, and then I realized I was like oh this is the least memorable Quentin Tarantino movie I think out of all of his movies. I think it's just because it's so like linear. But I, I just, uh, I just couldn't remember what happened. Um, and then watching it, it's not like halfway through the movie or like seventy five percent, eighty percent into the movie. I was like, oh yeah, 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 that's right. No, it was just like watching it like brand new. I was like, okay, I uh, remember uh, Bobby D shooting Mel in the parking lot, and then that was like. It. That was like the only thing I remember happening through the entire film. Well, so I watched this twice um, for the first time recently in anticipation of this. That's kind of what we do here. And the first time I watched it, I guess I kind of agreed with you. It almost felt like, and I still feel this way, if anybody else had directed this, this would have been like an hour, 45 minute movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it just been super quick, and honestly, you could probably get it down to an hour and a half, really, because it is such a like a contained story. It's very like small what actually happens, but just every scene is kind of blown out. And um, so the first time I watched it, I was just like so so on it. I was like, oh, it's pretty good. And then I watched it again, sort of just prepare for this, and I was like, oh, I'm actually really enjoying this. And I read this quote from Tarantino, and he was like, "This is a hangout movie." He's like, "If you." focus on like the plot and what's happening you'll you'll not like it but if you keep watching it you're just like enjoying being with these people <laughs> if you just like honest, a, a casual walker uh watcher <laughs> yeah i guess just like a fly on the wall but i actually agree with them like i was enjoying it a lot more i i saw it in like a different way so the first time i watched it um After Samuel Jackson kills Chris Tucker, like 15 to 30 minutes into the movie, I was like, this is the most evil character. Like, this guy's just like, like, you know, because I I like Chris Tucker and I wanted him in the movie longer. Um, Right. But watching it the second time, I was like, nah, he's a super complex guy. Because, and I guess that like, it kind of shadowed how I felt the movie was going to go the whole time to where it's like, I didn't see how this was going. Like, the whole time I was like, I can't really predict what's happening here. Um, Because I just, the way I saw Samuel Jackson was so, like, clouded. And then watching the second time, it's like, he's kind of, he's funny in parts. He's, like, not as, like, 
evil and mean as like I I kind of ex- expected in the beginning or you know thought in the the first time. So I I did enjoy it, and I do think it it you know will be one that I'll like put on a lot more. You know, in the like, background, in the, in the well, in the rotation of other like Quentin Tarantino movies. Um, but yeah. I definitely think like more watches make you appreciate this movie more. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson is an evil motherfucker in this movie, but I think what you're saying is that he is not just evil for the sake of being evil. He's watching out for himself. He has an agenda. He has a purpose on why he's doing these things, right? So it makes it less seemingly like a chaotic evil and more like a meticulous sort of bad guy. Right. No, yeah, Um, I mean... Like, yeah, because he kills, you know, this is getting uh, deep into it, but he kills Beaumont. So then when the exact same thing happens to Jackie, where she gets picked up by the cops, you're like, oh, he's going to kill her. And that, you know, I want to we'll go into more detail and you like think that's what's going to happen. But it doesn't. And it's not I'm not even sure if he was going to even before Jackie did what she did to ensure that he didn't kill her. Right. Like, I don't know that that was the I, I think that's what we're hinted at. But it could have gone another way. So, did like, we really think that the titular character was going to die, though? N- no, I thought Samuel Jackson was going to die, or like a something like what happened, right? I mean, because oh, yeah, at the same yeah. time, you see the gun. Um, I didn't realize, like, I mean, Samuel Jackson may be in the movie more than Jackie Brown. Like, he is kind yeah, of the main character. That's one of my favorite scenes, though. Where you build up all this tension and like, oh, he's over there to kill her. And she knows that and he knows she knows that. And it's like kind of this wondering like, oh, why is she so cool, calm and collective? And it's cut between that and and um, the the bail bonds, Max Cherry's character, right? And then the reveal where he goes and reaches for his gun, his gun isn't there. And then you realize it, I think, is one of the best scenes in the movie. Do you know the Robert Forster plays Max Sherry? Do you know the movie of his we've done? Did you recognize him? Oh, of course I, I recognize him, but I the, the title of the movie isn't coming to me. The Descendants. He's the grandpa that punched oh, the kid the in grandpa. the face. Oh, he's the grandpa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to punch you in the face right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome. He's awesome. And I love the the romance between them that's like not really played as a romance. Um between Cherry and and Brown, Jackie Brown, yeah, it kind of is um, though at the very end, right? Like, I mean, he's interested well, yeah. in her the whole time, and you're like, you think I, I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but you think she's not, and then kind of she is a little bit. Um, well, let's I, let's get to it because I feel like I, it, talking about that makes me want to talk about another duo in this movie, which makes me talk about something else in this movie. So let's like, yeah. So I like the bookend of the song, even though like you probably could just fast forward it if you're watching it again. You're like, all right, let's get to the end. You know what I mean? But like that song's been stuck in my head for like three days now. It's a fucking awesome song. Even though I, I think I was saying 105th Street at some point, and that's not the street. Um, but the opening scene in Samuel Jackson's apartment is like there are so many hilarious lines in there. Like the line about the AK-47 when you have to kill every motherfucker in the room. <laughs> Just because he's like, he's like, it's the best gun. But it's if you have to kill. And it's like, those are notoriously like bad at like, um, they're not very accurate. 
AK-47s. So his line of like when you have to kill everyone in the room because it just you can spray like was made me laugh. He, his acting comes off as it, it's so good. It it's almost like he knows what he's talking about, but he's so he's so confident, right? He he like talks in this in this confidence that um it, if you didn't know what he was saying was true, it'd be like is he bullshitting right now? Right. Well, and I love she tries to call him out on it, Melanie. Um yeah, played by Bridget Fonda. And uh, <laughs> I love too that she was like uh, when Samuel Jackson walks away. First of all, she's he like makes her answer the phone, and she's like, like very pointedly, she's like, and makes sense to me too. Like, well, they're always for you. Why am I answering it so that you can then like I can then just give you the phone? Why don't you just walk up there? And like she walks it, up there and she's like, "Hello, <laughs> oh hey, it's for you." Like doesn't even listen. Isn't it revealed later on like it's her house? Or like the the dynamic isn't what you think it is. Like, um, yeah, a Robert bit. De Niro kind of plays. I love his. I love his. Yeah, I love his character, um, De Niro's character, because it's almost like that character in in every movie where it's through the audience's eyes. Like he's a new character in the scene, so you don't know what's really going on. So everything has to be explained to him, and in turn, it's being expositioned to us. Um, yeah, and that usually it's happens also to like, like the main character, right? But it's also like such a unique De Niro character. Like I can't think of one that's very similar. That's just like he's a pothead who like is kind of an idiot, and like he's not really that important to the story at all. He he is, and he isn't. He's just he's just another cog in uh, Samuel Jackson's like plan right right um he apparently wanted the max cherry role but quentin like specifically wanted robert forrester for it no i think this this works out so well and i i think uh i think you're right this is just so unlike any of his other roles that it's like how can you resist like when has when has de niro ever played another role like this yeah i know it's it's not like it's not like something he had to stretch on either. Like it wasn't. It didn't seem like a hard part, but it right. was like completely different. I my favorite part of that scene though is well, one the like she's like the the video is boring, isn't it? And his line just like as he's mumbling, he's like, I can sit through it once, <laughs> like admitting it's boring, but just like you know, whatever. Um, also, she's impressed that he went to jail for bank robbery, which is like that's the kind of woman you are. Like, ooh, you you are a failed bank robber. That's like that's hot, but my favorite part is not even a line. It's the second time the phone rings and Samuel Jackson just staring at her and her staring back at him, and then just like this battle, like who's gonna give in? Like the way he looks at her is so fucking hilarious to me. What what point where he has to pick up the phone? Or oh man, she says something, and he's like, "Don't make me put my whole foot in your ass." <laughs> um. Yeah, no, no, no. So I have so much to talk about those characters. Um, but before we get to that, we have the and and you're right. You know, the first time watching this, you you kind of trying to find the direction of this film, and I think it is in where Beaumont gets caught. And I love Samuel L. Jackson's explanation on why he goes to a bail bondsman, and Max Cherry is just the unfortunate bail bondsman or 
fortunate bail bail bondsman that gets uh, that gets picked right at this point. And I love his explanation on why he can't just walk into jail with ten grand in cash and bail her out. Yeah, because then they're going to ask questions about why I have the ten thousand dollars, and then they're going to start taking some of her core costs. He's like, nah, that's why I go to you, which kind of yeah. kind of makes sense. No, totally, and um, and then it plays again exactly the same way, except that Cherry picks up uh, Jackie Brown. Oh, let's talk about Michael Keaton in his role for a second. Did you know he was in this movie? I only knew because of that game framed that we play. He was in one of the photos, and I was like, "Fuck, oh, Michael Keaton's okay. in Jackie Brown." Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't have. But then the other dude is uh, the. Which I don't understand an LA like an LAPD officer working like it's almost the ATF agent is his partner like as closely as they work together. I wasn't um, trying to figure that out. But the uh, the LAPD officer is the guy who um, is the nurse from Kill Bill when she's in the hospital and he's the one like letting men have sex with her for what seventy five dollars a pop or some fucking. I, I definitely like him better in in this role. <laughs> uh, he's uh. He's kind of a shitty character and, in both. Less shitty in this. Well, comparatively, yes. Um, yeah, and, and it's just kind of funny how... I feel like the, there could be a whole nother movie around Michael Keaton's cop character just because he he dresses in a way that you wouldn't think a cop would dress. He acts in a way... Like, this dude... Quentin wrote like a whole movie backstory on this dude and then just played it straight in this movie. Well, you know, Michael Keaton plays this exact same cop in Out of Sight. Because that's, oh. that's also an Elmore Leonard novel. I've never seen Out of Sight. Elmore Leonard, the author of the books that are uh, the TV show, one of our favorite TV shows based on Justified. Oh wow, wow! So I mean, comparatively, I <laughs> yeah, sl- slightly different. So, well, one thing I want, I want to get back to, I want to give Chris yeah. Tucker his due a little bit before, which is also funny. Jack, this is called Jackie Brown, but she's not in like the first thirty to forty minutes of the movie. Um, but I love when he's in the bail bondsman office and fucking De Niro's like, "Hey, I don't want to be in here anymore. I'm getting bored," and he's like. All right. Well, here, he has to explain to him how like autom- like a uh, like a key fob works, and he's like, he just press the button and goes, Ooh, and then like he goes out there and it makes that exact sound that Samuel Jackson did. I thought was hilarious, and also the yelling out like, "Turn it out as loud as you want, but don't touch my levels." You know, it's um, it's funny where um, and I'm skipping way ahead, but when they're in the department store and Max Cherry uh, and uh, I forget De Niro's character name. Do you remember it? Louis. Louis. Where they lock eyes and, you know, Cherry, like, kind of nods in his direction when they're basically in the middle of the heist. Um, I was thinking, I was like, okay, first of all, stupid move by Max Cherry. Why right? are you talk- that? Why are you doing that? I want to talk a ton about that, but why are we going to talk about that? We're five minutes in. Because that's where they meet. And I, for the life of me, could not remember if they met in the film but oh this this scene what you're talking about is where they meet like super briefly you need to you you need to pay more attention to the movies when you watch them where where else do they meet 
That's where they meet. I'm saying you yeah, need to pay attention more. <laughs> but it's super brief, is it not? It's, it's one of the opening scenes. I so you were talking about how Samuel Jackson, like he's a great actor, and I also noticed like I I always think it's funny when or like interesting when an actor is acting as the person as the character, right? So when he goes to Chris Tucker, he's putting on an act. And the way he did that was pretty, like, interesting. Like, how he's like, oh, I got a lawyer for you. He told me it's all good. Da, 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 da. I need you to get in the trunk because we're going to go. I got these Korean guys that are going to buy guns. They want to start a neighborhood watch. Um, So I need you, which is also, like, I think, you know, it's obviously like an L.A. riot reference. But he's like, so we got to, you know, convincing him to get in the trunk and all that is, like, it's hilarious. But just his the characters acting in that instance, like was pretty like on second watch, like you're noticing it. Right. Cause it, when, when I first watched it, I was like, Oh, well, he's not going to kill him. Right. He's like, I believed him. <laughs> I was like, completely <laughs> fucking wrong. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I also like when he drives to like the dump site behind the apartment complex or whatever. And the camera pans from like, I couldn't remember if he just like drove around the block and then he was just coming right back where he, originally parked but then the camera starts like doll um like craning up and over the the houses and um he opens the trunk and chris tucker's what does he say he says something like uh we're here already or something like that and then you just hear boom 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 you know right i like and he does this several times in the movie but the way he uses the music like it fades out as he drives around the corner and then fades back in as you see the car again. Yeah. But I think it was like really a, a cool touch to that part. Um, so next, like, I mean, we get to meet, um, we get to meet Jackie Brown next, but right, right before that, when Samuel Jackson, like calls Robert De Niro at the house he's staying at, which is this woman, Simone, that's just like dancing for him. And he yes. looks completely uncomfortable watching this. But he, he Samuel Jackson explains to Robert De Niro, like, hey, you know, Beaumont isn't going to do time. I knew he was going to sell me out, which he turns out to be completely right. Um, and he's like, it had to be, you know, this is a classic he or me, him or me situation, and it wasn't going to be me. And so that has to tell, like, if Louis was a smarter person, that character, he would know that he was going to get shot later on. <laughs> by this guy but he's not a smarter person yeah but louis didn't really deserve to get shot right because even though he shot mel samuel jackson wasn't that upset about it it was when he realized he was cheated out of the out of the money but that wasn't louis's fault so it it kind of shows he was upset about mel a little he actually said to him he's like as he said you know you got to do what you got to do no, no. He said to her, "What happened to you, man?" Right after you, after he shot him, and then this line of, "Her ass used to be beautiful." <laughs> he's like, "You killed," because he and he even says later on, he's like, "I." Oh, he yeah, says to Max Cherry, he's like, "Louis had to go and shoot her." I told you, you just got to hit her. Which is like obviously not appropriate, but he's like, "You know, you just got to hit her, and then like she'll act right." Like he went and shot my little surfer girl. So I think I was trying to figure out way fucking ahead now but i was trying to figure out why he shot her and or why he shot louis and it like the only possible explanation is 
One, because he started back-talking him. But two, I think it's because he was mad about Melanie. Because even when he says, like, you got to do what you got to do, it's like he, the, the look on his face was like he was upset about it. I want to talk about more when we get back to it. Well, I kind of still want to talk about Michael Keaton and the cop characters and, like, their plan to, like, flip Jackie Brown. Uh, first of all, she's like has the worst flight attendant job apparently that flight attendants could possibly have. Yeah, she makes like sixteen grand to fly to Cabo there and back as her only trip, I guess. You're the one who wants to talk more about the cops, so you should talk more about the cops. Okay, for the longest time, I thought that they were like dirty cops, right? Or at least like Michael Keaton, maybe Michael Keaton. I don't know where why I felt like there was this going to be this almost love triangle between Robert Forrester, Michael Keaton, and Jackie Brown. Yeah, I, it was kind of weird. Like it was a little weird because you know Forrester or Max Cherry was kind of like, "Oh, why are you? What were you doing?" She's like, "Oh, I was going to dinner with him." Um, and then Samuel Jackson talks about like he talks about her in kind of a loving way. But I think really what you're supposed to be established is that. Like all these women, all these guys find her desirable, right? So I think that's the whole point of that. But I don't think it's like a a triangle. I mean, I was kind of surprised at the like the love story angle that eventually happens when uh, when Max Cherry like bails her out. Um, that slow mo of her walking towards him and just like the rom the the romantic way she's shot or like he's looking at her. Yeah, right. Um. So yeah, and the, the cops, I, I don't know. I think, I think you're not. They're not bad, right? But you're supposed to not be on their side, even though they're doing the right thing, because of they're going after this character who is the main character, the titular character. Like that's why you kind of expect that. But you do have Max in the background acting as like kind of narration or exposition just explaining like oh no they're just young guy you know he says oh he's just a young guy who's having fun being a cop like he's not gonna steal the money he just wants and he turns out to be right about keaton's character like every single time so yeah and and the explanation actually the the one of the other cool part of the about this movie is that when jackie brown plays both sides so well it's like, yeah, she's working with the cop, but she admitted admits to Samuel Jackson that she's working with the cop, and you're like, oh, okay, he's she's gonna double cross them, and then she admits to the cop that he that she's working, and it's like, oh no, it's like a triple cross, and then, well, you know, it ends up being insane. But well, yeah. until until she kind of goes over her plan with Max, which we'll get to, I was confused. I was like, I don't actually know what she's doing anymore. Like, well, I guess I'll find out. Which is like, once again, the aspect of like, you're following the plot, trying to figure it all out. And then it's really just like a chill movie. Um, so she gets arrested. Did you notice yeah. who the judge was? He is the fucking crazy guy in all the Rob Zombie movies. And then apparently he was like acted with Pam Greer and like exploitation movies before this. So she was like knew him very well. Is it bad that I've like never seen a Rob Zombie movie? No, I fucking can't. Yeah, I've watched one and I was like, never again. Not <laughs> okay, for me. Cool. We're on the same page. Um, 
the next scene, I guess, I think probably like one of the like first really important scenes. They're obviously all important, but like the the Samuel Jackson coming over to her house, um, to Jackie Brown's house after she gets out of jail, right? And he's asked that yeah. the bond gets moved over, and for some reason Max does it, and then he like offers to drive her home and goes to a bar with her first, but. Samuel Jackson coming in, putting the gloves on that he used to like when he killed Beaumont. And then I you're wondering like I don't the first time I watched it, I was like, I have no doubt he's gonna kill her right now because he puts the gloves on. He has the gun. He keeps turning off the light as she keeps turning it back on. I was like, he's yeah. going to fucking kill her. <laughs> and then and then the reveal, right? Well, yeah, because we see Max look for his gun and it's gone, and then you, you know, she pulls the gun on. He's like, "Is that a gun on my dick?" She's like, "It is." Yeah, and then he, she takes his gun, and then I love the part in the morning where he, she gives his gun back to Max, and he's like, "Well, do you need protection?" And she's like, "No, I got a gun." And he's like, "Did you borrow a gun?" And then she's like, "Yeah, sure." Let's just say I got a gun, <laughs> but I mean, then like, so a lot of the Max. And Jackie Brown scenes are exposition, though, right? Because she's explaining like uh, why, like why she needed the gun. She's giving him like Samuel Jackson's motivation. He's giving then, her the motivation of the cops. Yeah, and and they're like why, and she's like explaining what she's going to do. Um, and then we get back to another scene in the Melanie's apartment, and one of my another favorite line. Some of my favorite lines in there, I just can't say it because it's stuff Samuel L. Jackson can say that I can't repeat. But yeah. one of my favorite lines is when uh, he's like going to go meet Jackie Brown. He's like, you know, why are you smoking weed already? He's like, weed stunts ambition. And Melanie's like, not if my ambition is to get high and watch TV. And then like Robert De Niro starts giggling. And then he like, Samuel Jackson looks above them. He's like, ah, right, you fucking just laugh at me, whatever. He's like, I'm going to go take care of business. And then I get high at night. That's what I do. <laughs> um, I I love the part where he leaves, right? And then De Niro and, and um, Fonda are like flirting and whatever. And it's just this, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of that scene in Pulp Fiction where they go to um, Quentin Tarantino character's house. And then he's like in his bathrobe. It's like casual like that and um or that kind of setting and then finally uh, i think it was mel right she's like you want to fuck he's like okay and then three minutes later with the title card and everything i love later on too i want to get back to the scene but i love later on when they're at the bar and he's like yeah I, i had sex with her and he's like oh that's good i mean she loves sex she's not any good at it but she loves it and then he's like Oh, so you you thought she was my girlfriend? Uh, did you feel bad? He's like, well, I felt bad afterwards, and they like start laughing. It's like felt great in the moment. Um, yeah, but one of the like the couple underrated parts in that in the scene before that is one she um he like sees a picture of her and she's like he's like how old are you in this picture and she says fourteen. He's like fourteen. I thought you were at least like sixteen in this. It's like does that make it better? Like. <laughs> Because you're like lecherously looking at this picture it's of a 14 year old, and you're like, Well, I thought you were 16. I th- that's why I thought it was okay. Um, and the other line, too, when she's talking shit about how, sh- how like stupid she thinks Samuel Jackson is, and she's like, He moves his lips with when he reads. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think that means? 
<laughs> I yeah, and I I it's just Quentin dialogue, you know, and and I think you're right, like, especially when you really pay attention and you watch it back to back a second time, you pick up a bunch of just classic Quentin Tarantino dialogue not as much blood in his um in this one than his other movies i will say actually well, so i don't I, think there's any blood in this movie uh just when louis gets shot and apparently he did that on purpose because uh critics were like you know got on to him for how much blood there was in uh reservoir dogs and pulp fiction so he's like all right well here fucking look at this and there's only four people that die and there's only one scene with blood yeah. So I think I, I I like that little like subtle fu, and then he comes back with you know, Kill Bill and Glorious Bastards, yep. just to say like, well, no, this is what I actually do. Although like, <laughs> once upon a time in Hollywood, there's like very little blood. There's like no nothing until the end. I guess there's blood in the at the ranch scene, whatever. But like once again, pretty tame by his standards. Since we both watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and we won't be doing it on the podcast um at least unless we change uh um maybe december the 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 part where leo dicaprio has the flamethrower and he goes oh that's way too hot you know that's like actual leo being like that's way too fucking hot (laughs) and quentin was just like all right we're leaving it in (laughs) yeah (laughs) one of my fucking favorite parts can we turn this down (laughs) It's a flamethrower, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so right after they have sex, though, he tells Samuel Jackson about Melanie, and sh- and he he's like, I don't know why you keep her around. He's like, Well, I can trust Melanie because I can trust Melanie to be Melanie, right? He's like, I know I can't trust her, and in that way, I can trust her. I know what I'm dealing with. Where with uh, and he he repeats this later on because he's like with Jackie. I don't know what the fuck you know is going on in there. That was right after he he said, um, well, that was right after Mel tried to get De Niro to kind of turn on Jackson, and then uh, De Niro just gives it up right away because he knows not to fuck with with Jackson. Um, but it reminded me of that line in, in Pirates of the Caribbean where uh, Sparrow is like, "You can't trust a dishonest man to be honest." But or you can trust a dishonest man to be dishonest, but it's the honest ones you got to watch out for. Damn, same sentiment. It's true. It's true. Um, what I thought was funny, like after this, Pam Greer, uh, Jackie Brown comes home, and she gets a voicemail, and um, it's uh Max leaving every possible contact number he can for her. I was like, man, you've been out of the game too long, Max. Like, yeah, play a little cooler than this. <laughs> The voicemail cuts off. He calls back. <laughs> He's like, oh, wait. And and right after this is the scene where they're planning the trial run and the main money exchange at the mall. And then Samuel Jackson walks away and he sees Max, who just happens to be there, right? And he sees Max go to the food court and then he sees Max and, and Jackie Brown talking. And he's like, gets super suspicious. He has this like scowl on his face like this isn't good. And then, like, nothing comes of that, right? I didn't notice this. When Who? who? Max Cherry, the bail bondsman, is at the mall at the same time as Samuel Jackson and Jackie Brown are preparing or planning everything, right? Samuel yeah, Jackson I don't remember walks... Samuel Jackson seeing their interaction. 
He did. I mean, it's subtle, but yeah, he saw it. When he walks away, he sees Max, and he kind of ducks his head a little bit and looks at him and ducks into a store, and then he just watches them, and he's like, what the fuck is going on here? Oh, yeah, 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 something I kind of do remember. Oh, shit, yeah, I remember that Um, in the food court. And then right at, so nothing came of that except he then knows at the end that they're working together because he saw them talking, right? But then uh, Max gives this whole spiel to her about like, oh, I'm going to quit being a bail bondsman. I decided Thursday. She's like, the night you picked me up? He's like, yeah, but it's because after that, I just sat at this dude's house for three hours and was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? And then at the end, instead of going to Spain with Jackie Brown, he decides to fucking stay and be a bail bondsman. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. I I I like complicated characters that like you know change their mind, and we don't quite know why. Because I I feel like that's just more of a complex human, like true to humanity, than like one note characters. You know. Yeah. Um. So after this, we get the trial run, and the only thing I want to ask about this is. Max is watching this whole thing and he watches Sharonda sit down and then uh, Jackie Brown leaves. And then you see Simone take the bag from Sharonda that originally came from Jackie Brown and switch. And he watches all this and he goes out to the car and watches her. And he's like, this could work. And I was like, I don't understand what you mean. This could work. Like, I guess. And afterwards I thought about it more. I was like, guess, I guess maybe he's thinking he's the Simone character in this. Like, he would take that, like, that's, as long as the cops are following Sharonda or Melanie in the later one, then the other third person can get away and that would be him. But I was still, like, confused as to what, why him following Simone, he was like, this could work. But I guess that's the only explanation. If you think about it, of De Niro shooting Mel in the in the end scene, it worked out so well for Jackie Brown because it looks like, there was a double cross within Jackson's team that does not land anywhere near her. No, oh, yeah, I mean it almost it almost still did work because except like it almost worked because Louis's an idiot, but then it didn't work because Louis's an idiot. He was just like the wrong amount of idiot for it yeah, to work. I like that the wrong amount of idiot. Yeah. Um, and then you find out like Simone's supposed to be doing the the next exchange, but she's just. Took ten ten thousand apparently was enough, and she like just booked it. <laughs> I also like how they Jackie Brown rode so much on the fact that Keaton was not going to check more in her bag. She was going to just stop at the top where the ten thousand, where the what was it, fifty thousand was. Yeah, and well, one thing I like read about this, like the whole point of this movie is how like underestimated she is, and how smart she is, and how everything works. Everything she knows works out for her. But in the first time watching this, I was like, what the, you just think he's not going to check the bottom of your purse? Like he found the drugs because he checked it again. Like they made you dump your whole bag the first time. I was like, I don't know. But she was like her point of like, I told him there's going to be 50. So once he finds 50, he like he'll give up. And I was like, I guess you're right. I guess it's because you could always expect I mean, this is just, I'm just putting logic. I'm not saying this has any truth to it, but you can almost expect if you're going to pull something, you're either going to pull it on the first try or you're going to pull it on like the fifth or sixth try. 
right? But like, who suspects the second try? I guess. And honestly, that would have made sense to do it on the first try. But she couldn't trust the cops, so she had to do it on the second one. But if you trusted they were going to keep their word, if you hit it on the first one, then it's all, the money's already gone for the second one. Yeah, I, I could see either way, but it's just a, a real like out of left field if you. But the the other problem is the second one. This partner in Cabo would have had to have, like, how would you get all the money? Because he needs to be in on it too. So I guess it doesn't really work that way. Um, so That's we true. get to the final exchange, and the one thing I want to say, like the one like part that I think sets this up, because I Louis thing, I was like the first time I watched it, I was like, it's kind of out of left field that he just kills her. But right before that, the night before, she kind of like rubs her feet on him. There's there's a whole like feet scene with her. Like there isn't all these movies. Thanks, Quentin. <laughs> right. Um, and he kind of spurns her and she calls him a chicken shit. Um, and like he gets super annoyed when she calls him a chicken shit. Like you can see yeah. it on his face. And then yeah. the next day, the whole getting her out of the apartment, the whole ride to the fucking mall, in the mall, leaving the mall. He's getting more and more pissed. He's such a fucking idiot. He can't figure his way out of a mall. Like it, the second time I watched, I was like, "Yeah, this makes sense. That's why he shot her." It's also unexpected though, because you know so little about his character. Yeah, all you know is he's a criminal, and he got he got you know in the joint for bank robbery, but you don't know if he's like. I so watching this like a couple times. Y- I did remember he was kind of a loose cannon, but it almost as if like De Niro's Cape Fear character like got old and then still had the his like stit about him, you know? <laughs> Maybe not that crazy. Um, <laughs> one thing, so in the beginning of this, and I don't know if you knew this, but all the uh, LAX scenes in the car just took place in the mall parking lot. That makes so much sense. Um but Jackie Brown's like to Michael Keaton is like, have you ever thought about taking some money? I was like, why the fuck would you say that to him? Like, you're just making it. The only thing that could possibly do is make him suspicious. Like, oh, wait, has she thought about taking some? Like, I think yeah, the, whole, I... the whole the whole point of that dialogue is just to have some interesting dialogue there where. He, you know, Michael Keaton talks about like how he looks at the money and he would never do that, but no one would notice. And he's like, but this is ATF money now. It's evidence. So that's the way they look at it. But it's such a stupid thing for her to ask. Yeah. But it could also be a smart thing, right? Like she could be kind of gauging him. I don't know. I, I, I totally see your point. I totally agree with you. But I'm just trying to like play devil's advocate and see like maybe there's a another point. Method. To this. A method to yeah. the madness. Yeah. I the I think the structure of the way this is told is probably my favorite part. Like he it's kind of like similar in like a pulp fiction way, the way it's kind of combined together in like a unique way. Like he does he does Jackie Brown's part, then he does Mel and Robert De Niro's part. And then like halfway through you see Max Center and then you see all of Max's part, right? And like the way it all connects. I, one one question I had though is like Robert De Niro keeps holding Melanie and is like stand here don't go over there what are you doing da, da, da. she's supposed to go in there to grab the money so when were you going to let her go do that like he, he he was just so bad at this I was like I don't understand why you're doing that but my main question and we touched on this earlier is why 
would Max let Robert De Niro see him? What was the point of that? I don't know if he let her, or sorry, let him see him, or if he just saw him, but why would you nod at him? Like, why would you pay any mind? You're right, though, because now that I think about it more, now that I'm talking about it, when we go back in the movie and we play it through Max Cherry's perspective, he sees them at, like, a distance. Like, stay the fuck away. Like, don't hang around there. Yeah, so he should have definitely backed off. But then when you do see it from his view, he's looking at Mel walk into the dressing room. And then his eyes, which are the camera, scans back and locks with Louie, who's already staring at him. So then at that point, he just gives a head nod. He's like, whatever. But yeah, it's like, why weren't you hidden? Why were you so fucking close to this? Because if you weren't there, like, I, I mean, I don't know how the movie would have ended otherwise, but it's like, it's a fucking stupid decision. Well, he's still... Samuel Jackson would still know it's Jackie Brown. And I love his realization. He's like sitting there in the car and he's like thinking about it. And he's like, Jackie fucking Brown. Um, and then Max Cherry, or sorry, then De Niro uh, Louis reveals that, oh, I saw Cherry at the department store. And then, you know, everything starts clicking. Um, but yeah, when he, when he goes back, I... Isn't it risky to just to leave all that money in a beach bag in like a like a a changing room for that long? It seemed like she left it there for a long time before he went to go get it. It wasn't. But I that guess long, it wasn't. Though. It wasn't that. He long, saw yeah. her leave. Like no other person walked in, and I actually had the thought of like, if you were the retail worker and someone's like, "Oh, by the way, someone left their bag," and that person walks away, and then another person walks up and is like, "My wife left her bag," and then you're like, "What the fuck?" Like I didn't. Normally you have to go grab it and put lost and found or something. She didn't even have to move and it was already taken care of. I imagine she'd be like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> because I had no, I like forgot totally what happened. I was like, is it going to be moved to the lost and found? And it's easier to like rob the lost and found than, I don't know. I, I didn't know how it was going to play. But yeah, you're right. It's super suspicious that way. Um, And one, the last part of this before we get to um what you were talking about one i love when he's like don't say one more fucking word and she says okay lewis and he fucking shoots her but uh max was surprised and i was too like the whole time i expected something bad to happen and they he gets out of the mall like it's nothing and then when he gets to his car he kind of looks back at the mall and he's shocked at how easy this was yeah i know i know um the 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 panning around the mall, like, you know, when this movie does a great when the character is looking around and the camera is panning around to, like, the point of view, the POV shot. Um, when he's looking around and he gets in his car, I expected something bad to happen last second. No, I did as well. I was like, is Samuel Jackson going to walk up? Is Louis going to have seen him and drive by or like? Yeah, I was. Yeah, that's. I I was actually because it was almost like a replay of like everything from De Niro's uh, perspective till he shoots Mel and drives away with Jackson, and then it goes back in time to follow everything from Cherry's perspective. I was actually expecting like Cherry walking towards his car. You could hear the gunshots that sh- that De Niro was shooting Mel, but that never happened. Right. I love his explanation to Samuel Jackson, too. He's like, yeah, I just I mean to talk to you about that, you know, uh, because he asked where's Mel is. He's like, you know, she was just 
mouthing off at me, just more and more and more, just kept going, kept going, first about the back, da 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 and he just keeps saying that, and Sam Jackson's like, wait, so you left her there? He's like, well, no, I shot her twice. And he's like, what? <laughs> you fucking and shot like, her? And then he's like, she's dead. Well, see, this is why I feel like he didn't really care that much, because it felt like he cared more that he didn't leave her alive to, like, rat on them. He, like, did the job and killed her. You know what well, I mean? I love the line, is she dead? Pretty much. That ain't no fucking answer. <laughs> Pretty much dead. Yeah. Um, I shot her twice. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, I think, well, I, I don't know. I think he's playing it cool, right? Because he's like, at this point, she's already dead, so there's nothing I can do about it, or she's been shot, or whatever. So uh, she is out of my life. Either she's alive and she's going to be a fucking problem, or she's dead. And he still needs... He can't let Lewis know like how mad he is right now. But then as soon as he finds Lewis's gun and he has it in his hand, then he's like, you ain't worth a damn. <laughs> Robert De Niro's like, back off, man. I'm telling you, back off right now. And he's, then he fucking shoots him. And I still like... He says, what happened to you, man? Which, like, the line reading of that was so good because he was actually, like, hurt that this guy that used to be, like, this good criminal just fucking sucks at it now. And then he (laughs) says, I, like, had to listen to this line, like, seven times. He's like, her ass used to be beautiful, man. (laughs) I was like, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he also knocked her down, like, a a little bit before that. He, He was like... Yeah, Mel Mel is a little older and she's not as hot as she once was or, you know, something along that line. I was like, well, that's mean. I did think the movie purposely tried to make, like, she is definitely attractive in the movie, but I thought, like, the movie, like, her makeup, like, they weren't accentuating her to make her look as hot as she could be. Like, I think it was purposeful to make her look like she had been on too many drugs for too long and just kind of, like, you know, just was floating through life. So I think that was, like, the what, what they were going for. Or that's just how Bridget Fonda looked. That, that, I don't. I don't think so. it's fucking very disparaging. One. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I thought the interrogation scene was pretty good. I had some of the same questions. She's like, also, she's like, I was in my underwear when Melanie stole the money, and I could put the suit on faster than my uniform. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, when she got that suit, that was so good. Like, that, that he, whole thing is so good. And he's like, you still had to pay the sales chick. And she's like, well, what was I supposed to do? And the other part of this is like, I don't know. I think I think it's a good scene. But he's like, well, you did help us. And we got Melanie. And we got De Niro. And, you know, I'll just settle for Odell. But he still is, like, suspicious of her. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like in a lot of these circumstances, you could just, like, back out of your deal. But he decides not to, right? He's like, I'll honor it. And you, you, you're done here. But, you know. I hope maybe he backs out of it because this could be, you know, an unsaid thing, but maybe he backs out of it because he knows he knows something's up with her. He he kind of likes her. Right. He may be even attracted to her all the dinners they go on. But he's also like, well, if I if we don't charge her and, and Samuel Jackson finds out about that, then for sure he'll go after her and we can then find, you know, like using her as bait. Right. I like, right. but the 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 way that they just are like, all right, well, you're good to go. You know, drug charges dropped was like, I don't know, felt a little iffy to me. When um, I thought it was a big risk, Max Cherry going to 
Jackson being like, hey, yeah, this is the situation. She wants to make it right. And she's at my office and everything like that. I was like, yeah, I just felt I felt like something bad was going to happen to Max. And I did it was too. set up for that. Yeah, it was set up for that way, right? Yeah. And, and what it made me realize after this happened, and I mean, I don't want you to say anything about the Hateful Eight if that does not follow what I'm about to say. But every other Quentin Tarantino movie, maybe after Reservoir Dogs, you could feel differently. But they all have, like, these satisfying endings where, like, for the most part, the people you like live, right? Like, wh- where's the, like, the ending where, like... A lot of like, people in Inglorious Bastards that I like died. Some of them, but not... I, I mean, I think the... the um, Spoiler for Inglorious Bastards, if you haven't seen it, what the fuck's wrong with you? But, like, the, um, what's her name? Diane Kruger, her dying was maybe, you know, you're like, oh, that was probably the roughest scene in any of his movies as far as someone just, like, dying and, you know, there's nothing that can be done about it. But, like, for the most part, though, like, Hitler and the Nazis get killed, right? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has an awesome ending. In Pulp Fiction, Butch gets away with it, right? And the only person who you may like is Travolta. But honestly, just rewatching it, He's kind of a fucking dick, like in a no, lot Travolta's of movies. Travolta's a dick. No, 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 no. I was actually talking about Inglorious Bastards and the bar scene. You know the. Yeah, yeah, I get that's that a fucking scene. awesome. That's a fucking awesome scene, though. No, it is an awesome scene, but I, I like, yeah. So, but I'm saying like ultimate scenes, right? Like a, a main character dying in the end, where you're like the whole time, like because I was worried for Max, and then in the end, like everything works out. Like he just gives you these like very satisfying endings to me. Because even in For, Glorious Bastards, right, you, that, that scene in the bar happens, like, within the first hour. So then you have the rest of the movie to kind of pick you up and make you feel good again. Because Hitler well, gets his face shut off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, of course. But you know I, how I'm really bad at, like, spoiling movies for people? But with The Hateful Eight, you're so lucky because I barely remember what the fuck happens in that movie. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. And like this, it it goes on forever. Well, first he calls him and he's like, "I have your money," and he's like, "The ten thousand. He's like, "It better be more than ten thousand." He's like, "Well, that's the bond." He like tries to play dumb at first, and Samuel Jackson's like, "I don't know. I'm not buying that." Like, let's talk about the money. And he is suspicious. He's like, "I'm not going to go to your bail bonds office. Like, why would I do that?" And Max is like, "Well, because we could have just sent the cops here. She's not going to do that to you." And I was like, "That's I guess a good lie." But I, because did you, you I, did you see that ending though? Did you see it coming? Where like she, it was set up. I feel like you know she has the gun. She's practicing to pull the gun fast enough, and I love it. I love that scene because she's obviously not pulling it fast enough. Like she's doing her best, but it's obviously <laughs> slow as shit. Um, <laughs> well, she she makes a phone call after she talks to Samuel Jackson. Um, and that's clearly the cops, but we don't hear the answer. And yeah. one thing I thought, too, is, like, the reason you can't hear the answer is because what explanation could she give to these cops as to why Samuel Jackson is coming after her at the bail bonds office? Like, the whole thing doesn't make sense. Because she, is she going to be like, he thinks I have the rest of his money, but don't worry, I don't. <laughs> Did you find it weird where, like, Michael Keaton flips on the light first, like, totally giving himself away, and then there's that moment, like, that standoff moment, and then she's like, he has a gun! When he clear, I mean, he does have a gun, but not, like, holding it, right? 
I, well, that's the thing is, I didn't think he was holding. I thought it was like in his pocket or something. But then when they turned the lights on, it's in his hand. It was in his back. It was in his back pocket. Yeah, I thought it was in his hand when at the very end. What? Yeah, like when he's laying on the floor, I thought it was in his hand. I, I'm not I, sure. I, I didn't think so. Either way, he was not a threat. He was thought, not an, an imminent threat. It. Yeah, I thought she was lying to get him shot, and I was like, "Fucking good." Um, but yeah, the, the oh, real quick though, we haven't talked about Winston's character <laughs> um, a lot, but I love his line of, "Oh yeah, I don't know, I don't know, have to know what I'm doing as long as you do." And Max is like, "I think you do. I think I do. Is that good enough?" And he's like, "Yeah, that'll work." <laughs> I love like he's he he's not in the movie a lot, but then the other times he's in the movie um, towards the end, <laughs> everyone's like questioning like, how did you find him? And he's like, this is what I do. This is my job. I was talking a second ago about how, um, why would Samuel Jackson go over there? And one of the ways they explain that is as they're walking out of the house to the car, he's like, man, I've never heard her so scared on the phone, which you also really don't get to see that. And I'm wondering if just like yeah. the scene didn't work, so they didn't want to show it to us or what. But he's like, oh, wow, she was so scared. Okay, I'm convinced. You know what I mean? Just moved on. Yeah. And then and then he, he's he's shot in a in a hail of bullets and um, boom, boom, boom. The whole fucking film wraps up quite nicely, as you say. Yep. She decides to go to Spain. He only took 10 percent. She wanted him to take more. And she's like, I didn't use you. And he's like, I don't I don't feel like I, I got used. Um, and then she kisses him and he's just like, eh, I'm not going to Spain, but I don't understand why Max, I don't really understand why. Maybe he's, uh, always just meant to be a bondsman. Who knows? I, uh, I like the movie, but I agree with Quentin where it's just kind of this movie you play in the background and you just kind of let it go. I, I, I think it's one of his least memorable movies, but that's saying all a bunch because Quentin movies are quite memorable in their own right. I mean, even if you said this was your least favorite Quentin Tarantino movie, it's like, you know what I mean? It, I am not going to rank them right now. And we're going to, by the end of this month, I'll have watched, you know, all the ones that I have missed so far. Like, which is just, so if we're going to do four rooms because you won't fucking let it go. And then I haven't seen Hateful Eight and those will be the last ones. But then you also haven't seen Death Proof. And then yeah. we'll, we'll all be caught up. But yeah. even if I ranked them, even if I somehow ranked Jackie Brown last, which it wouldn't be it would still be like a top fucking movie for me. Like it's still so good. It's just like you're comparing it to once upon a time in Hollywood and glorious passwords, Pulp Fiction. You know what I mean? So for me, it would definitely be hateful eight last and, um, maybe Jackie Brown second to last. I haven't seen death proof, but I, I feel like that's just going to be fun. I can't like hate on a fun movie. You know, I think, I think he thinks death proof is his worst movie. Really? Okay. Well, I mean, but I kind of like bad movies, so who knows? But uh, real quick, so one fun fact uh, about this movie is, so he he made this movie for Pam Greer, um, who was best known character before this was Foxy Brown, and so in this he plays Jackie. She actually did a screen test for the Rosanna Arquette character in Pulp Fiction. She's the girlfriend of the dr- of his drug dealer. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. And so he wrote this movie for her, basically. And when she came to audition for it, she said there were all these posters of her from like 20 years ago in his like studio or house or whatever. And she was like, did you put these up because I was coming over? And he's like, no, I was going to take them down because you were coming over. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Um, 
And like that's I don't know this movie I think like in one second view in like a second viewing grew on me so much that um I don't know I just really like loved it. It's uh you know our friend my friend Zach who you also know this is like one of his dad's favorite movies. Um and it's just it is a good hang movie. It's a cool movie. It's like I don't like to use this term. It's a vibe, right? Like with the music that's like still stuck in my fucking head. It's um, kind of a pothead movie too. It's got like a dazed and confused feel to it, and it's nothing like like that. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's it's it is a good good movie. Um, and I'm glad we did it, and I'm glad this to, was uh, do the rest of these. No, I'm I'm excited. This was definitely not the reaction I thought uh, you would give from this movie so that's that's kind of that's kind of cool that uh it's not exactly how i uh how now i thought four, it would turn four out. rooms on the other hand we'll see you're gonna fucking love it it's gonna it's awesome all right guys well thanks for listening to another episode of i finally watched i'm milan and this is david and i finally watched jackie brown <laughs>